What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. We're back with another episode of the Microcast. As usual, today's episode is hosted by me, TJ David, and Zoe Rome. This week's episode is kind of a year in review, discussing our rose, bud, and thorns from the past year and what we're looking forward to in the next year, plus our favorite athletic moments and what folks can learn from those experiences. Yeah, heck yeah. We'll also get into some of our favorite movies and TV shows, a little year in review, I guess, looking back to move forward, what was fun for us, what we were kind of up to in our free time. and um, Free yeah. time? Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> As again, recording this <laughs> podcast on a weekend, um, first thing in the morning on a Sunday. Yeah, that's that's ambitious. Yeah, how's your coffee levels? You know, I'm only one cup in, so we're getting warmed up. We're getting there. <laughs> Usually, I'm like one in a beer in by this point in the podcast. So. Really buzzed. Really buzzed from just hydration status. Well, now that you're beginning your caffeine buzz, we can start off with some mm-hmm. hot or not topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so TJ, this is one hotly debated on our Slack channel um, and hotly contested amongst athletes we coach. And this is one, spoiler alert, also hotly contested in the scientific research. What's your take on Normatech boots? Okay, Normatech boots. I got my first pair of so, Normatech boots okay. back in 2018. Operative word being got? I purchased them. You did with adult money. With full price discount. Uh, a friend of mine sold his pair to me. I think he was kind of like a rep or something. Uh-huh, he gave uh-huh. me a pretty good deal on them. I got them for like I think it was like a hundred bucks. Okay. And I really liked them, mm. but it was I think it was like a first generation pair. Yeah. Because all of the connectors to it broke mm. uh, very early on. And I remember like noticing like when I had it and was using it for recovery. And then when I stopped using it, I was like, oh God, how can yeah. I stop using this thing? Like it, this really, like this really is helpful. But then after a while I got used to not having it and um, I could not find like replacement pieces for it. So it ended up going in the landfill, unfortunately. Right. Mm. And fast forward a few years later, uh, shout out to Coach Drew, who Coach was Drew. working at Rush Running in, in uh, Fayetteville at the time. He had an extra pair and he gifted us his extra pair. And so we've had a really nice, probably a next generation Norma Tech. Like it's pretty durable. Yeah. And I've, I really like it, actually. Um, yeah. I'm a huge so fan. These were given to us free of charge. Yes. Yes. This is I think that's important. Podcast. Yes. <laughs> so I want to back up and just share a little bit about the history of the Normatech or like compression or pneumatic boot. They were originally developed for folks with diabetes to help increase circulation um, because, you know, folks will often like lose feet and toes if they're not, if they're not able to get circulation to those areas. And the idea behind them is that they can work in the same way, enhancing recovery for athletes, um, helping circulate blood around the lower extremities. Um, which is great in theory. However, other things that can help with circulation are standing up and sitting down, walking around your house, walking around the block, legs up the wall, legs up the wall, um, taking your dog for just like a quick, a quick walk around the block, or even hopping on the exercise bike to pedal very, very slowly for 10, 20 minutes. So it's one of those things where it's a 
the price tag is pretty steep for what the actual measurable effect is. Um, again, they only like really how they operate is by increasing circulation. And you can do that a lot of other ways for absolutely free. Um, so I'm really reticent to endorse or recommend these in any way personally. And also the evidence is really mixed on these. Again, it's hard to test because you can't really have like a double blind study. People know when they're getting compressed versus when they're not. Um, people do report anecdotally feeling better after using these boots. So if you can get a pair for free and you like them, great, go ahead, knock yourself out. I definitely like to sit in them. Um, actually, interestingly, some of the studies have pointed out that likely one of the things that's nice for them is they caught, they make athletes sit on the couch for 45 minutes to an yeah, hour. I just, let me jump in because it reminds me of this, this book in a book talk we went to at the limelight yeah. about the time that I was using my first pair mm. Uh, who is that author? Christia Chris Schwanden, yeah, one of my favorite wrote, science writers. A great book about the kind of the science called of, Good to Go, yeah. the science of recovery. Right. I am obsessed with this book because it sort of uses sports science and particularly recovery science to help show the limitations and strengths of the scientific process in general. I would recommend this book to absolutely every athlete and anyone just like curious about science and how it actually works generally and understanding the science as a process <laughs> more than anything. Um, and again, like you, it's very hard to test these things in a double blind study, but primarily one of the reasons that people report Normatech boots and compression boots aiding in their recovery is they're forced to sit and chill out. Same thing sort of with massages is like the benefit doesn't primarily come from the, like the mechanical intervention. It comes from like type, a type A person who maybe struggles with recovery being chained to the couch for an hour. Yeah. And I think maybe that's, the biggest but like, factor in this. Totally. But then, you know, I would, over Normatech boots, I would recommend the Succession series finale. You know, that's an hour and a half and HBO is way cheaper than Normatech boots. True. But if you've got that cash to burn, which some folks might, and they're yeah. thinking about, well, what, what might help facilitate me being on the couch? You know, I think this could be a good a option. A puzzle? A puzzle. <laughs> Too mentally engaging <laughs> for me on a rest day. Yeah. I, you know, I would just say that it's, I, the science isn't there for me to recommend it just because I like the way that something feels on a superficial level. That's never as a coach going to be what like makes me want to recommend it to other folks. And I think it's a really fascinating case study of sort of athletes opting for expensive marginal gains to the detriment of the foundations. Like if you're not absolutely nailing your nutrition getting a ton of sleep and really managing your stress well, you do not need Normatec boots. I would agree with that. Um, I might diverge a little bit with your opinion there. Um, I think if it does feel good for the athlete and it does help facilitate, you know, the bigger gains that are better to be made when you actually are recovering um, and it helps to facilitate that, then, then yes, you know, we want to establish these habits we want to eliminate points of friction and sometimes a vehicle like a Normatec boot can help with that. Um, is that the, you know, what I would recommend an athlete do if they were struggling to get their recovery in, if they weren't sleeping well, if they weren't, you know, um, taking that time for themselves, I, that'd probably not be the first thing I recommend that they do. I'd it wouldn't probably... be the hundredth thing. <laughs> like there's so many, again, like if you already have a pair or you can get a pair for free, knock yourself out. I'm going to use these boots. 
again, because we, we, like, we're gifted a pair and I think they're nice and it, like, I totally get struggling to stay on the couch. But I think that, again, if you're interested in investing this much money into a recovery modality, it's much more worth investigating, like, could you be working with a nutritionist? Could you be working with a mental performance coach? Could you be working with a therapist? Like, there's so many other things that are validated in the scientific evidence and are also like cost intensive. So I would just be like, you know what, like in a vacuum, if you had all the time, all the money, sure. Like if those things were not factors, but I don't think that that answer resonates with most people because for most people, finances and time are a factor. Right. And then they weigh that against the silver bullet effect, which is what can I do to help biohack? Totally. Like I'm going to buy Norma tech boots, but I'm going to keep drinking alcohol every day. And it's like, you know what? That's probably not the most intelligent decision for your recovery. Thinking about vehicles, vehicles for doing things. Vehicles for stuff. Peloton. Hot Mm. or not. So I am a Peloton subscriber. Um, because I really like the yoga and the bike workouts. Um, so I'm a fan. I wish I had a bike. If anyone from Peloton is listening and wants to give me a bike, hit a girl up. Cause like right now we have like a janky off-brand Canadian version where you can like sort of jerry-rig it with an iPad and like do your own like fake Peloton session. Okay. It's a Schwinn. It's pretty nice. It's fine. It's fine. It gets the job done. You <laughs> it, can we got it off eBay. It was a refurbished, refurbished Schwinn. Um, you can Zwift, you can Peloton on it. I like Peloton because it helps like, especially if I'm doing a treadmill workout and I just want someone else to choose the playlist for me, or like when I say treadmill workout, running easy on the treadmill, I would not recommend athletes do the workout, like the workouts with intensity as guided by Peloton instructors, because the aim of those workouts is generally not in concert with what we're trying to do. What about in cross training? In terms of like, like if you were going to double and you weren't ready to double in running yet and you're transitioning over working on bringing I would those just keep, hours. I would keep it easy. Yeah. Don't do like high intensity intervals. Don't do threshold workouts on the bike. Um, again, just because that's going to make it so that you need more recovery for doing a Peloton work, which like, that's not the point of our training. There are benefits to that, but you just have to weigh the risks and the benefits of like adding in all that intensity and while i think the peloton workouts are fun and great those are primarily gained toward or aimed towards helping the average american get fitter and connect with exercise they are not created with the intent of like getting the metabolic adaptations that we're looking for in running so so what's the call on this hot or not i'm gonna say hot it's a lot it's like 11 bucks a month i like it i find I really like, especially the yoga. I'm a big fan of the yoga. I do the morning yoga um, every morning when I'm in Denver. So you're using it, I think, in a in a different way than I've seen my the athletes that I've mm, okay. you know, interacted with yeah. use it because I've seen them use it more as that supplementary cross training modality, and then I've seen them, you know, unprescribed use all of those more intense workouts. Yeah, don't don't do that. And um, I just think that that's, you know, we're, those workouts are not geared towards working on the same energy totally. systems. You're so it's like, it's training. sort of drawing from your fitness bank without depositing in it in the same way that intentional structured microcosm coaching is. Yeah. I'm not hot on Peloton. Mm-hmm. I got to give my honest opinion. Yeah. Stick well, to the I'm going to get you to take 
one of Alex Toussaint's club bangers bike classes and you'll change your mind. <laughs> it's so good. If it aligns with my training. Yes. Well, so like they'll tell me to do like spin ups or an interval and I just won't. And I just imagine that I'm raging in a club and that's what works for me. Well, you know. So that's... I guess I'm paying $11 a month for someone to DJ for me and I ignore all their training advice. So, <laughs> you know, pot kettle. Well, again, you know, when we look at things like Normatec, Peloton, these are vehicles for something else. They're, they can potentially be helpful in developing a habit or Correct. routine and lowering those friction points and those barriers. It's very hard to get the majority of athletes to get on a stationary bike and just pedal for 40 to 60 minutes because it's too boring yeah. for most people. So having some of that stimulus, the music, mm -hmm. the visuals, the motivation from Robin Arzone telling me I'm a speed queen. Right. Exactly. I need that. Some, that's not a marginal gain for me. That's everything. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not immune to that either. You know, if I'm on the bike, I'm watching Netflix or I'm Zwifting. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm using different like Swift. things. Yeah, you used to be a Zwifter. But I mean, right now you're doing the most of your training is, is fully just running. I mean, there's no reason to, for me yeah. to be cross training. You're not limited. I can run six, seven days a week yeah. and double. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Planks, hot or not? Hot. And so a big thing here, and we'll get into this in our next episode, tease, I'm going to drop a little teaser. We're going to talk about crunches later. Mm. Planks are great for runners. When you think about the sort of core stability that runners need, you need to be able to use your legs and your lower extremities like levers. So you need a lot of functional core stability. We don't need abs. Like you don't need to look like a swimsuit model. You need to have a functional core. And the quote that I share with a lot of my athletes is that you can't fire a cannon from a shaky canoe and your <laughs> core is the canoe. So you need it to be really strong so that you can really like have a strong base to fire the cannon your leg from, right? Well, and let's, if you're... Be, let's be specific about that. So like when people think about core, they often think about like the six pack abs. Yeah, that's not, that's, that's a very superficial abdominal muscle. We're talking about the deep core, Correct. like the transversus and yes. other muscles that are actually underneath. Right. And it can even be into your back. Like I've been doing a lot exactly. of core strength for my back and realizing that one of the reasons I have back challenges is because I have not been as attentive to the, like, um, to the, to the deep abdominal muscles I have. And, and also like your, um, obliques can be helpful as well for stabilizing because you're twisting while running, especially on the downhill. A lot yeah. of athletes are, you know, struggle with the downhill and it's, uh, not just because of the eccentric loading, it's because they don't have Correct. the deep core to stabilize. Yes. Yeah. Because like, if you think about how downhill running works, it's not just your legs doing it. Like, again, you, your core is what's like holding you upright as well. So a lot of times if athletes are really struggling to run technical downhills and they feel tired or they feel like they're tripping a lot, I'll suggest doing, um, things like planks. So what you actually want to do is I usually recommend a one minute plank for athletes, um, three, two to three to four times a week, depending on your needs and goals. It's a great cool down for after a run. It's a great cool down. No equipment is required. You can watch stand up comedy or jazz or like whatever your jam is while you do it. Um, and a lot for a lot of folks, you will actually start to shake when you reach sort of your strengthening point. And that's actually a good thing. Those are called aphasic shakes. And that means that you're really sort of activating the muscles in the way that you want to. So don't, don't be afraid of the shakes. Um, I think <laughs> planks are a great stabilizing core strengthening mechanism. I also really like flutter kicks and leg lowers. Cause again, you're thinking about using your 
limbs like levers. Sometimes you can even, if you're a more advanced, strong athlete, incorporate your arms too, to do things like star crunches, which are not actually a crunch, but again, you're thinking of using your limbs like levers. And that's the sort of core strengthening that we want to be doing. What do you think, Coach TJ? We're hot on it. Nothing hot on planks. Cliff bars. Hot or not? I think it's a great snack. And honestly, hats off to anyone who f- can successfully metabolize that during an ultra. I cannot. So dry. So dry, man. Oh, God. And that's a lot of protein. It's probably more protein and fat than is typically helpful for most people's GI systems while they're exerting. Also, fiber. It's also like that's just giving your body a lot to break down. It's just chalk. I just think before I think about the, you know, the micros well, and the macro yeah. makeup of a Cliff Bar, I'm like, that's just chalk. The texture's not right. Chalk in my mouth. I mean, at mile you used 20. to eat Bobo bars running okay. ultras. Uh, one race. Was one my race. first ultra. And you were like, I can't wait to just gum this brick of oat. Gels and Bobos. <laughs> wild dude tried once never repeated yeah 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 (laughs) discarded thank you for your time again if you want dry we learn we grow eat bobo bars great snack clean bars are all right snack but i think they're great like especially for athletes who are busy who like especially our athletes that are doctors or nurses they're on their feet all day they don't have the liberty like i do my cushy job to just sort of snack the whole time. (laughs) Um, So I think that they're a really great way to make sure that you're meeting your nutrition and fueling needs when you're on the go. If you're a busy parent, you're at your kid's soccer practice after your run. I think that they are a great way to bulk up your nutrition during the day. I personally would not recommend them while fueling, but if you've tried them and you know they work for you, like way to go, man. Hats off to your GI system or lady or (laughs) non-binary gastrointestinal royalty. I mean, I recall Debo talking about his awesome hard rock performance against Francois a couple years back that he was fueling a lot with Bobo bars, which I consider to be kind of like the stepbrother of the cliff bar. Yeah. It's like, wow, I'm so surprised, but Hey, if it works for you, but I mean like a lot of those climbs probably are like 90 minute uphills, maybe even more like that's, that would be like one of the, so there's not as much jostling. So like, sure. If you want to eat a Bobo bar while you're literally walking for, hours like knock yourself out but, but they're I, pushing hard their their heart rates are pretty high for- yes and also their altitude which is another factor but um, i'm kind of amazed that he was able to i'm amazed <laughs> i'm not tempted to replicate that <laughs> all right all right let's uh let's switch gears for a second here what was your personal favorite for you athletic moment of the year and what can athletes learn from it Yeah, one of my favorite moments was finishing the Argentina UTMB Valhall 50 miler. Um, I was listening to my normal running playlist and the song All Star by Smash Mouth came on, which is a song that always reminds me of my comedy friends because we've, it just keeps coming up in our comedy skits. And I crossed the finish line while that song was playing. And I realized I was on the podium with my first ever international race. And I just felt really happy. And like, you know, you're running through the streets of this little town and everyone's like cheering for you. I got to actually like break the tape of a race, which was really fun and cool. And, you know, people like getting interviewed at the finish line makes you feel fancy and like a real athlete. And like, that's cool. And you were there and I had had like a pretty solid day and, I felt good. And that was just like a nice moment of being like, 
sick. Like that was the first time I had raced in a little while and it felt, it was good. Yeah. I just, it was fun. I felt really joyful in that moment. Mm. What can athletes take away? What can they take away from it? Um, Joy is a superpower and figuring out how to infuse your races with joy is something that will add to your performance, figuring out how to inject your day, your training, your racing with joy. Um, I always race my best when I'm having fun. There's a sense of, it's not that I'm not being very serious and being very competitive, but for me, there's a sweet spot of like, when I'm at my most intense and my most playful, that's when I crush, right? Like that's how I feel like when I'm doing comedy and I'm slaying either a stand-up set or improv, I feel very competitive and engaged and connected and also playful and joyful and light. And that's sort of the zone I try to get into for my best races as well. Does it like mileage may vary, you know, it's hard sometimes when you're suffering, but for me doing things like putting on a, a, a song that reminds me of a fun time where I felt very much like myself and I connect with like a good comedy performance even puts me in the same mentality to finish a race strong. So I would say, find what connect like find what your sort of like what your sweet mental sweet spot is for training and racing and then find ways where you can like jolt yourself into that so something i talk a lot about with my athletes on our deep dive calls is the dichotomy of judgment versus flow Mm. and when you find yourself in a race in a state of judgment you have those thoughts coming up oh I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't mm. be going this pace. I should feel differently than this I This is do. harder than it should be. And so what I was hearing from you, which I think is really cool, is some of those very strong emotions and sensations that come from our more infinite side of us, which is that flow side where the joy, the connection, yeah. where things kind of are like more automatic and you're just kind of doing the thing. And I, what I kind of heard there was like, you have a very specific like mechanism for reminding yourself of that. And it comes through joy. It kind of comes through switching on a particular song. And anything like, that makes so awesome. me connect with that sense of play, you yeah. know, because play is a very powerful place to be for people. It allows us to compete better. It allows us to connect more authentically with other humans. And that can also enhance sort of like your competitive mentality as well and so I mean it's going to be different for everyone but I think that finding that thing that again like sort of prompts you to connect with your most authentic self but like for me that doesn't mean it's like easy it's like sort of for me it feels like being just in reach like I have to really stretch to get it but it's just within my grasp Mm. so much learning and self-awareness over years you know I think come together to like help you facilitate that mindset yeah which is a big plug for race a lot, do this over years, continue to, you know, put that effort into learning about yourself and what works because that's how you become better at this stuff. And think about like what part other parts of yourself, like as a parent, as, you know, a a creative, um, as a partner, as like a person, think about what makes you like the strengths that makes you really you and what would it look like to really integrate those into your competition? Yeah. Sweet. What was your big, like, what was, what's your athletic learning moment from the year? Well, I'm not sure how much of a learning moment it was, but my favorite celebration moment was the UTMB Argentina race as well. Um, Probably not a surprise. Yeah. um, We had a good day. Yeah. It was 
Well, it was a really imperfect day. And I was very proud of myself for um, staying engaged mentally and coming back from mm. some challenges to overtake runners in the last third of that race and get on the podium. Um, also my first international podium, which I was really proud of. But zooming out, um, you know, I talked, I've talked a little bit on past episodes about my health issues last, um, about this time last, last year, I was still trying to kind of navigate those issues and just continuing, like, you know, keeping that race on the schedule, continuing to like, think of the highest possible outcome for that race. And that was really one of the first races where I started to tap into the champion's mindset yeah. for myself. And it was a big, uh, turning point mm. for me because there was a lot of uncertainty if, you know, how would my body react to a race that long? And I raced as hard as I could, you know, the whole race, um, really leaned into the uncertainty and didn't write the story before yeah. I started, tried to write the story as I went. And that to me, I think is a, is a great takeaway for athletes because, um, often in a taper, in a, in a build for a race, we are kind of up against life's happenings mm. and none of this stuff happens for any of us in a vacuum. You know, we no. all are working very hard. We all work a lot. We all have other obligations in our lives, other interests. And because of that challenges happen that can throw us off as athletes. You know, for me last year, health was a big, a big thing. And mate, you know, in that thing was stress. And so, you know, going into that race, you know, not taking that with me, like you're going to run and you're only going to be able to perform for 20 miles because then your body's going to be too stressed. You're, you're going to have these allergy issues. You're not going to be able to breathe. Right. And then you're going to, you know, have to walk, which was a huge problem for me last fall following CCC. I was having all of those breathing issues. So, you know, it's a huge opportunity if you try to build awareness around, yeah. am I writing a story right now or am I embracing mm. the ability to write as I go, you know, yeah. to tell my story as I go? I think nothing breaks my heart as a coach more when I see an athlete encounter challenges, like every athlete will encounter challenges in their career or setbacks or things that are just you know, that are, that are trials sort of in their athletic journey. You know, maybe it's an injury, maybe it's an illness, maybe it's family stuff. And these things are legitimately very hard. Um, so many athletes, as soon as they encounter that challenge, they write the story of, well, this is a sign from the universe that I'm not meant to be a runner, or I'm not meant to be a runner in the way that I thought I was meant to be a runner. That's just a story you tell yourself. It's a story, right? And like, it's not like a, it's not a medical professional saying you're running against advice or something. Like this is just fully someone this is the first time they encounter friction in their training and they say, that's it, I'm done. And I think it's so brave and courageous that you encountered friction. And again, you worked with the medical team and they were like, yes, you can continue to train under our guidance. And like, here's, you know, you, you did reduce volume, you rested more. Like it was not training in the same way you had been training when you were like competing at the highest levels of the sport and whatnot. But you immediately, you wrote the story of, I'm going to move through this. I will compete at my best again. I will be on a podium again someday. Maybe yeah. not soon, but I know I will. And that's a lesson I would want to impart to all of our athletes is that don't, don't write the story before it happens. And if you are given the chance to write a story, like fucking write the best fairy tale ending you can. Cause like worst case scenario, what it doesn't have, like right. nothing's getting taken from you. Like no. hope, hope recklessly. Why not? And the thing that was so big about 
about that was like, you know, nothing really changed for me being on that podium. Yeah. What, what really was the transformative thing was getting sick and having to relook at my habits and routines and then continuing to embrace the process of training and not giving up, but reworking that into yeah. my life in a new way. That was really the gift. It wasn't, you know, it was nice cherry on top to be on that podium and to like race from behind to get it. Um, obviously, you know, it was such a, just like you, it was like a really cool moment to have like a full crowd lining yeah. both sides of that. And like of, of the finish line and Argentinians freaking love TJ. Cause you, you lived there for a while. You speak Spanish, you drink your mate. They could not get enough of TJ. They thought it was so cute <laughs> that this little red haired kid w could speak like great Spanish with an Argentinian accent and was like all about the mate. I know. It's like, they were the huge fans. I know. <laughs> that was too fun. They loved you. <laughs> yeah. So Ah, don't write that story. You know, a mm -hmm. thought is just a thought. It becomes dangerous when you make it part of a story that doesn't serve where you want to go, what the outcomes you're looking to seek, the goals that you have. You have full control as a person through your personal awareness and developing that over time to say, that's a thought. Yeah. That doesn't have to uplift an old story that held me back. That's a thought. Like, that's not a truth until I say it's a truth. So, you know, for me, I really had to or get until a medical professional gives you advice. Like hundred percent. There are times where like, yes, we do not recommend, you know. But how many times as a coach have you seen an athlete hold themselves back because they developed a story about themselves and it had nothing to do with an yeah. actual medical yeah. professional telling them, you know, you've got arthritis in your knee and you, you know, like those kind of things happen like not once a year. Yeah. In my coaching experience, rather like the other stuff where we get in our own way happens like on a weekly basis. Correct. Yeah. And usually the advice is never to fully like give up on running. It's usually to approach it differently, to reduce volume, maybe to step away from it and incorporate cross training for a period of time. All right. Yeah. Love those takeaways. Fun takeaways. All right. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Favorite TV show of the year. One TV show. Favorite and why uh my favorite tv show this year was season two of the bear a it's just incredibly well written and directed christopher store just incredible screenwriter um there were some amazing so each episode was sort of like guest directed um by different folks there was an episode uh directed by uh uh what's her name uh jame Jamie Lynch is that she the she won the best supporting actress for her work in Everything Everywhere All at Once, and she guest starred as the troubled chain smoking mom in the amazing Christmas episode. I had John Mulaney and just like every, all like all of my favorite Bob Odenkirk. Everyone I love was in that episode, um, and I thought it was so cool that in season two of The Bear they sort of pivoted to not just focus on Carmi, the guy who was sort of the lead character in season one, but to focus on all the other characters and how they were approaching their own fears around chasing and obtaining excellence in their lives. Like they, you know, sort of worked at this whatever sandwich restaurant that they're trying to transform into a Michelin star restaurant in Chicago. And so all of the people who used to just be like wait staff and line cooks, like go to do stages in Denmark. There's a guy that learns to be, a pastry chef in order to deal with grief over caring for his sick mom. Um, 
own, uh, cousin Richie goes to stage at like a really fancy restaurant and learns that he actually feels more alive when he's chasing excellence and putting on a suit and getting up early in the morning and doing the stuff. And I found that really beautiful. My only feedback is that Claire could be an amazing character. She's supposed to be the main character's girlfriend and just get man, hire a female writer to write that character better. We deserve justice for Claire. I'm hoping for season three. Season three, all about Claire. Yeah. This was also my favorite show of the year. Um, it took us a while to finish it, but mm -hmm. I, I feel like that was almost better because I got to kind of like sit and contemplate the different like story arc of each character. I really enjoyed Richie's cousin. Yeah. The polishing of the forks yeah. is such a great metaphor for you I know, have a, putting in the work. Yeah, I have a sign on my desk now that says every second counts, which is a sign that they that Richie had in the restaurant that he staged at and he brought it back to the bear, which isn't like supposed to make you rush. It's just like every second really does matter and you can spend it moving towards excellence or or not. Yeah, it was... And it's all about little actions. It's not about like big dramatic actions. It's about how in order to obtain excellence, you sometimes just have to polish a hundred forks. Totally. But I think the other part of the excellence thing was like excellence pursuit of it is a little messy. It's very imperfect. Mm. Um, you know, it's complicated. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's not just like a, an either, or like you yeah. either have it or you don't, um, you know, the way that the, the show really portrayed, you know, the pursuit of excellence as this nonlinear process, yeah. I think had a very, um, it, I was able to relate to that. And mm. I think other athletes can relate to that as well. And it, it really helps as an athlete to see examples of excellence in other areas, you know, as runners, especially ultra runners, we tend to watch the same YouTube videos all the time. We watch the same stuff. We get the same information and we don't really see how what we're doing connects to the, the bigger picture, which is our lives. You know, mm. running is a vehicle for self-expression. I personally use running to elevate my life. And it's my personal belief that if you do that and you build awareness around that, you can then take all the learning that you have from this thing. And then it's infinite, your possibilities for doing that in other areas. So when you see examples of people pursuing excellence in, you know, their career or in particular, like in the restaurant industry, yeah. um, you know, you have this very specific example that also can kind of parallel your own experience. Like, wow, you know, like, and then yeah. increase that awareness. So that was, that's definitely my favorite show, hands down. Of yeah, year. agreed. Favorite movie? Barbie movie, hands down, far and away. Freaking love this movie. Love Greta Gerwig. She can do no wrong. I can't wait. She's working on a two-part uh, adaptation of The Chronicles of Narnia and for Netflix. I'm going to be there day one when that drops, watching. Um, but also, I've really found this movie, there's so few things that are by, for, and about women that are allowed to take up a lot of space in the cultural imagination. And this is an excellent movie that is excellent on every level like the production design the costumes the dancing the writing everything about it is it's maybe not a perfect movie but it is excellent in every regard and there's so few things for women that fit that bill um and that are allowed to be like brassy and brash and bold and take big creative swings and i think for me the primary message of this movie is that we 
all need to be the creators of our own lives and that particularly women can allow themselves to write stories and to build things and make things, even if they're big, even if they're flawed and imperfect. Um, at the end, and I think that it's sort of Greta Gerwig creating her own hagiography of like, here's why I wanted to step into this space and be a filmmaker who makes the biggest movie of the year, who takes a big budget from Mattel and from Warner Brothers and takes up space and is the center of the cinematic event of the year. And that's an energy that, that to me is Barbie energy. And that is what I want to take into my life. And I saw this movie in theaters three times and bought it the day it came out on VOD. I bought the pink jumpsuit. I am, I'm totally in on being on big Barbie energy. Nice. Awesome. Heck yeah. What about you? My, I, I had a number of movies I really enjoyed, but I think Past Lives was mm. maybe my favorite. Mm-hmm. I just like the very realistic um, portrayal of the complicated nature of human existence. Yeah. That's what I got kind of from that. The tension uh, that was constantly present in that yeah. movie was a little hard to um, cope with. Oh my with, God. But it's such a good, like. It was beautifully shot. Oh. The character development was, was really great. Um, I love the storyline. Yeah. Here's my message to everyone in Hollywood. Just keep giving women money to make kick-ass movies. That's another movie that was written, directed, and shot by a woman. And that is, like, until that is still kind of a rare thing in this world. And it's a fucking great movie. And I think I love how it sits in that tension sort of between examining things that are meant to be. And if there is such a thing as things that are meant to be and our past selves and future selves and what it looks like to integrate those things and the struggle that it is to integrate those things, to reckon with quote unquote destiny. Highly recommend, highly recommend this movie. It's really beautiful. Maybe with that lens in mind, I feel like there's definitely some parallels here. Kind of in our last section here. But I thought we wanted to talk about our favorite albums of the year, too. And I have another thing that fits into this theme. forgot about those albums. Okay, go ahead. So my favorite album of the year is The Record by Boy Genius, which is totally big Barbie energy in an album. So Boy Genius is Phoebe Bridgers, Julian Baker, and Lucy Dacus, um, three incredible singer-songwriters who came together to form a female supergroup. I love everything that they do. And like, even in naming their band boy genius, they're sort of play, they're um, calling attention to the cultural idea that men can be geniuses. Like the idea of male genius, male excellence, just like from birth. And they're sort of making fun of that in a way and like lampooning that in a way I find really enlightening and playful. And they, when they perform, they wear outfits that are sort of like hearkening to how the outfits the Beatles used to wear. When they do photo shoots, they typically will do photo shoots that sort of mock like, or like that are direct replicas of like Nirvana photo shoots, of Beatle photo shoots, of Foo Fighters. Yeah, that's fun. Sort of like immediate, like putting themselves into like, no, we are directly like, we are one of the greatest bands of all time. And we're going to do that by like visually and sonically, um, positioning ourselves in that lineage in a really sort of playful and confrontational way and they are hyper feminine they also like they identify themselves as like dudes they're all queer women they all um they'll like make out on stage i'm just all it's so feminine and it's so amazing it's big barbie energy wow wow lots to take away i love it and they all play guitar it is a great album it is a really good album it's like one of the greatest albums ever made and it's called like they were originally gonna call it the white album which 
so funny such an incredible act of like feminist trollery but then they ended up calling it the record just like really simple incredible stuff that like female bands haven't always been able to take up space and to call themselves geniuses and to call themselves like one of the greatest supergroups of all time in that way and that sort of like confidence in your artistry and craftsmanship I think again that's big Barbie energy and people of all genders can be Barbies is sure. my takeaway well that was very present yeah. in the Barbie movie yes we can all be Barbies there's no Barbie without Ken Zoe and there is Barbie without Ken and that's the whole point is there he's just Ken he, you know, struggled with that a little he bit. He did, and, but he got a redemptive dream ballet. It was his whole idea. <laughs> My job is just beach. <laughs> Not a bad job, honestly. I think about uh, sometimes on my tough days, just... Uh, my job is my, just coach. Just be a lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a lifeguard, just beach. Just beach. <laughs> He's not a lifeguard. It's a common misconception. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a common misconception. My job is just spreadsheet. <laughs> Yeah, my job. Yeah, that's funny. That's all I had. But I think good, that good. that's sort of like me tracing excellence and what it means to write one's own story through popular media in the year of our Lord, 2023. Mm, really, uh, it's just art, creativity. Exactly. Which is just running is just another form of that. I would agree. Mm -hmm. What's next, T? Rosebud Thorn. Mm. So when I used to be a backpacking guide at the end of each day, I would sit my crews that I was guiding down and I would make them share a rose and a bud and a thorn so that we could talk about what went well, what we learned and what we were looking forward to as a way of processing and reframing things throughout the day. So that's sort of where we got this from. It's a, it's a common practice in the Boy Scouts. And so a rose is something that went well. Um, a bud is something you're looking forward to and a thorn is something you learned from and can do better in the future. So TJ, what was your rose for this year? Mm. I think this year my rose was I did a much better job taking care of myself holistically. Mm. I think, you know, a lot of the athletic achievements, I getting over having some, not getting over, it's still kind of an ongoing thing but with my health but being much more on top of it has had a lot to do with how i've re-looked at my schedule um I, i'm a little actually hesitant to <laughs> say that's my rose because the last <laughs> quarter of this year this almost felt like a thorn um mm. but just trying to i need to work less and yeah. continually recover more and that was something that really worked for me this year. I definitely was able to train more, even through being sick. Um, felt like my training was higher quality as a result. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a rose because like it was really there for me. But I got to keep it going in 2024. You know, yeah. when we think about, okay, what are the habits? A and rose routines? can be an ongoing process. Yeah. I mean, I, I need to, the last quarter of this year, pushed me to my mental mental and physical limits with rolling out microcosm 3.0 and getting on like a whole new platform and restructuring the entire business um that that pushed me to my absolute limits and you know I'm I'm able to do this on a Sunday morning not burned out because I'm you know I still integrated rest in that process and that just has to be at the forefront of my mind yeah 
Rose for you? My Rose was Run Rabbit and training for Run Rabbit. Um, it was, you know, kind of an intense period of life because I literally turned 30, got engaged, published my book, and then immediately was like, I need 10 days to just chill and like sort of allow my brain to be a normal brain again. And so I just went to Steamboat for 10 days by myself and trained and worked and recovered and just had a great time. And that really allowed me to be very present and have a fun time at Run Rabbit. I had a unicorn day where, I mean, it wasn't like an easy day, but I was able to navigate all the challenges that the race threw at me. I had a lot of type one fun. <laughs> um, I just love that race. I love those mountains. I felt so empowered and powerful running a hundred mile race without a pacer running through the night was so, so fun. I was just like having the greatest time of my life. Awesome. That was a big rose. And then, you know, finishing in the money, seeing my good buddy, Sean Van Horn, have a good day. And like Kylie was there with her pooches at all the aid stations. That was amazing. My friend Abby Levine was there cheering me on. 10 out of 10 day, 11 out of 10 day, 20 out of 10 day. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. Good times. How about your bud? My bud. What am I looking forward to? Um... Feeling a little more, I mean, the hundred mile distance, I really love it, but it's such like a, as soon as you think you figured it out, you, you, you didn't and you can't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it continues to be such a puzzle, but I feel, I feel like I'm batting 300 at that distance, (laughs) but like, it's sort of this thing of like, all right, I'm going to keep learning and getting better and trying harder. And that means that my rate of failure and success might be approximately the same. because I'm going to keep trying harder at that distance. I have some ambitions to return to that distance this year um but i feel a bit less scared like i feel a bit more like that's just that's how it goes some days are good some days are really hard nothing is ever guaranteed but i've made peace with the fact that like the fact that it's always going to be hard that it's always going to be humbling is why i love it awesome yeah awesome what is your bud for the year i'm looking forward to Seeing, you know, where we are a year from now with microcosm mm. 3.0, seeing, you know, what we learn from this process, how we can continue to grow and change for the better, the organization to be more professional, to be a leading professional organization in endurance coaching and to really embrace just the, the evolution yeah. of you know, what started six years ago and where we are now, which is, a, you know, all of the learning and the experience we had in that time and to continue to, um, you know, never stop changing, evolving, adapting, and to really be committed to that in service of the athletes we get to work with. You know, I really feel strongly that an organization that's stagnant and is unable to change, adopt new technologies, adopt new perspectives, is an organization that just simply does not serve the people that, you know, need it most coaches, athletes, the organization itself. Um, It's like a shark. It has to constantly move forward or it dies. Is that so for sharks? No, it's a joke. It's a Woody Allen joke. (laughs) It's a joke from Annie Hall. Sure. I mean, says a relationship is like a shark. It has to constantly move forward or dies. I don't feel like we're a predator. (laughs) I know Our, our relationship is not very predatory. We're more like a, a turtle sunning itself on the beach. Yeah. I, it was an interesting year, you know, with the microcosm rollout, there was a few people who really 
criticized um, us for making changes. Us, the organ, I speak us, the organization of microcosm, not me, not very you specifically. few though. Like, yeah, but still, you know, when you really work hard to serve people and you make changes with that service in mind, it is always interesting to me. Oh, what's going on with that person that they're having trouble with this change? And change is hard. I, and I've I've thought a lot about that this year. Yeah. This is going to sound harsh, but I have found in my experience as a coach, the people who are the most critical are the people who are the most likely to cross my boundaries and take advantage of me. So I've really made a lot of peace with allowing those people to yeet themselves out of my life. I used to, when I was a younger and less secure person, before I had a book, before I had a TV show, before I was making you know money in this sport, I would just let people walk all over me and give me people who worked less hard than me. I would accept feedback from them. I've gotten very diligent about curating the people I accept feedback from. Is this person changing the sport in a positive way? Is this person putting themselves in the arena? And is this person someone that I look up to and I frequently admire their work and the way they show up in the world? If if someone is not all of those things, I do not accept feedback from them. Mm. I think it's important to have some kind of litmus test like that because for some reason people feel entitled to give their feedback on things when that's just completely not in their lane. Yes. I've always wondered about that because it's really not what my how I show up in the world. It's very con kind of counterintuitive for me to think that way. And so I, you know, practice for me, you know, part of this bud is to like try to put myself in another person's shoes and try to understand their perspective, even though that's kind of also a flawed methodology because we can't really be in someone else's shoes. I think you can want to understand their perspective without wanting to integrate their perspective into your practice. Well, totally. And, you know, at, at a certain point, you know, you it, it would be uh, very unhealthy to yeah. try to be an organization that's something for everybody. There's a reason why there's a lot of different coaching right. Like we're trying to be... Matsuhisa, not Tim Horton. <laughs> what's your what's your thorn, Zoe? What's your thorn? My thorn, DNFing Never Summer. Ah. I was, you know, really underslept, really overworked and sort of burnt out physically. I was doing a lot of comedy. I was doing a lot of work. It was a really intense period at, at work and in coaching. I felt tired going into that race. And I also gave myself a concussion on accident the morning of that race. I, you know, it's tough. Cause like, I, I just, I, I think there were, you know, I think it's easy. Had I finished the race, I probably would have told myself the story that I was strong and brave for finishing it. But since I DNF'd, I've been telling myself the story that I probably shouldn't have started that race. And I should have known better. I think, you know, it could have gone either way. Um, I did not want to finish that race while I was out there. Um, I had had a black eye. So like, it was just like kind of a shit show mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, so that one was tough. Lessons were learned about the sort of how I, about like the amount of sleep and recovery I need going into races. That was a big and also moment. Not trying to start a race with a black eye is probably a good call. Yeah, totally. What about you? What's your thorn? tough i feel like i had a lot to celebrate and i almost like want to just focus on the celebration i know but, but it's it's not like a bad thing it's something that like you're like ah yes i have learned from this and i, I will do better going forward i i still think that i have significant work to do as a leader with 
my relationship with outcomes. Oh. Leading an organization, um, particularly being responsible for the vision of this business over the next five years and, you know, making sure we stay on track, developing a healthy organization, something that I've really learned in this process is, you know, that I sometimes have an unhealthy attachment to outcomes, specifically with, you know, the relationships with um, athletes, coaches that we work with, yeah. and continuing to, I don't know, not to, not to detach, because I don't, I don't think that the idea of detachment is particularly healthy. You have to hold it lightly. Yeah, but to hold things a little less lightly, I, you know, I've learned this year that, you know, there's things that I've felt like in other areas of my life, I was great at letting go with like, for example, you know, holding the vision for trying to win UTMB Argentina. Yeah. And then, you know, well, I ended up on the podium and that was amazing, but I, I, I held the vision and then kind of let go of it and, and stayed in that present moment and everything that was kind of happening was supposed to happen. And I, yeah. I struggle with that as, as a business owner, um, that the adversity is supposed to be there. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, for me and my mental health is a, is a huge challenge. Mm. Um, it's something that definitely I feel like holds me back. Like because it doesn't immediately come fast, easy and frictionless. You're like, am I supposed to be competing in this arena? Am Sometimes I, I think to be about that. Business owner? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's definitely a choice I've made. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's so, I mean, we see so many like example, like the, really <laughs> the way we tell stories about like young male entrepreneurs in the space. It's like this guy, genius from day one, stepped into the arena. At first people were like, no, you can't do it. And then he did it. And there was no friction and pushback from that day forward because we all knew he was a genius and we can't wait until Ashton <laughs> Kutcher makes three separate biopics about him. Right. Right. And that's not the reality of how most oh, things work. No, the reality is like when I look at back at how I st structured the business and started the business six years ago, I'm extremely disappointed in myself. And but Are I you, couldn't be where I am now yeah. hadn't I had those learned from those mistakes. And we wouldn't be the great organization that well, we are you can, without that. Instead of disappointment, reach a place of like compassion and and learning because you know you did the best you could with the tools you had available at that time, right? Right. But, you know, it's and, that thorn, you know? Yeah, you yeah. want a thorn, it's kind of that disappointment, right. maybe. Okay. So, yeah. Learning from past mistakes. We love it. Well, that's Don't what it's Don't try to about. run a 100K in the mountains when you are exhausted. I say it with a smile on face. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Well, thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed this one. Yeah. Um, happy if, New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. If you're dreaming big for 2024, you know what you need to do. You need yeah. a coach. You need support. You need to take your commitment you need to the a next team. level. You need that team. Yeah. Compete with the best. Be the best. Train with us. Yeah. Microcosmcoaching at gmail.com. Microcosm-coaching.com. Check us out. <laughs>